You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hi, Cardinal fans. I'm Ozzie Smith. Smith corks one into right down the line. It may go. You're listening to the Cardinals Insider Podcast. Go crazy, folks. Go crazy. Here's your host, Brent McMillan. Welcome to the Cardinals Insider Podcast. I am indeed Brett McMillan. Good to have you with us today as we dive into the intersection of Cardinals history and current events with a group of 30 men and women who are reliving the 1946 Cardinals season day by day. That summer, of course, featured a tight pennant race with the Brooklyn Dodgers and ended with Enos Slaughter's mad dash to defeat the Red Sox in Game 7 of the World Series. Three of the participants going through this journey will join me today. John Davis is the group's organizer. You'll hear his voice first after my own. Ron Barger and Terry Farmer are getting the updates every day, and they will follow after John. Participants in the group live all over the country, a wide range of ages and backgrounds. John will share the how and why he started sending out these daily updates in a moment. What he's sending out is a daily recap of the Cardinals' on-field action from 46, as well as some tidbits of off-field happenings, too. The emails include links to box scores and articles pertaining to the days in question. The group goes back and forth discussing the history of that 46 season and also delves into some other baseball topics. If you love the history of the game, this one's going to be for you here on the Cardinals Insider Podcast. John, let's start with you. How how did this start? Where did this idea come from to walk everybody through the 1946 baseball season this summer? Well, when I learned early on, Brett, that uh, we were not going to have baseball this summer, or at least for a good portion of the summer, I, really, I was really disturbed by that because like so many other uh, Cardinal fans and other baseball fans, uh, from March until October, uh, breakfast comes with box scores. Uh, I, uh, I couldn't imagine, I couldn't imagine having breakfast without a box score. And so uh, it occurred to me that the thing to do would be to find a Cardinal baseball season and to follow it through, um, through the magic of the internet, finding a box score. And I, while I did enjoy highlight games that uh, the different stations were running, in the evening, it wasn't the same as following a season through. And so I, th- I thought I would do that. And then I started thinking about, well, what's, what season? And I started thinking back about the first season that I remembered. And I, don't, I didn't remember in detail, of course, about 46. I was only three at the time. Uh, so I was really interested in, I was really interested in 1946 because in 45, my dad came back with uh, Musial and all the other guys from the war. He had, uh, shortly after I was born in 43, dad uh, shipped out, was deployed to Europe and uh, was there for two years. And he came back to a toddler that didn't know him and uh, wasn't real sure, wasn't real sure uh, what to make of this guy. And uh, it wasn't until the summer uh, of 46, when we listened to baseball games together on the old Philco, on the old <laughs> Philco radio we had there in the living room. And um, it, it was that summer that I fell in love 
with not only my dad, but also with baseball, Cardinal baseball in particular. I can remember very clearly in that living room, dad rolling up a pair of old, uh, of his old army socks and making a ball out of them. And, and when Dizzy Dean or when um, um, Harry Carey uh, talked about the ball game, they were on different stations that year. KMOX didn't have, didn't follow the Cardinals in 46, WIL. And I, I can't remember the name of the station that, uh, that uh, Harry Carey was on, but we would get one or two of the, one of the two in the evening. And if uh, Musil would uh, hit a field or grounder at first base, uh, dad would throw the butt, throw the ball or throw our ball, our old sock ball <laughs> over to right. And uh, I'd try to catch it. And it was, more, it was more fetch than it was catch, but I can remember that. Didn't remember the details of the seasons. So it made it fun to follow 1946. And uh, as I, was telling Ron earlier today, or, or you, Brett, that sometimes it's a lot more fun to watch or to review that box score now that the Cardinals are back in action. Uh, on August 18th, 1946, the Cardinals won a doubleheader against Pittsburgh instead of, or against Cincinnati instead of losing to the Cubs as they did on 2020. So this morning's review of the box score is a little bit, or at least was at least half pleasant. But that's why 46. And so what have you been doing every day this summer? What do you send out to folks? Well, to the, you know, I, I have to thank Ron, Ron Barger for this, because when I, when I started looking at those things, I, I journaled, I made some notes to myself about what happened so I could look back. And, and I, I journal each day so that I have something to do during this COVID thing. And I thought, well, you know, other baseball fans would enjoy this. And so I sent it out to a few of my buddies and Barger being my good buddy and some of the local guys that I, that I know and gals that are Cardinal fans, there were about 10 of us. And then the, Ron can tell you about how it spread from there. Um, but that, the content usually is um, just a, a paragraph about uh, the game, uh, who got the win, uh, how many hits Musial got, whether it was an outstanding play. And then I put the, uh, put the box score in. And then I put all the games played that day. The, the uh, Society for American Baseball Research is the site that I use most of the time to gather the data. But lots of times, lots of times I'll get things from uh, old, old issues of the Post-Dispatch or I'll look through Wikipedia. And then I'll also look to see what else was going on in the world that day. Um, and uh, 46 was a very interesting year, not only in terms of baseball, but in terms of the country. As soldiers were returning from across the country, there was a good deal of labor unrest. We were trying to sort this thing out again, trying to get back to normal. And uh, so there are a lot of interesting stories. And I'll, I'll put that in. Uh, whole section that I call extra innings. And then I sat back and let the fun begin. Because as the people read it, guys like Terry Farmer and, and, uh, and other guys will shoot back memories that they have or things that they have found that related to the extra innings or to Cardinal players or to other players in the, in, uh, uh, other players on other teams. 
And it's kind of an interesting then email exchange that goes back and forth. I plant a seed and then I watch everybody else make the tree grow. <laughs> Ron, so what did you think the first time you got one of those? And the early ones went out as text messages. You've advanced to email at this point because there's so many folks getting these. But that first time you popped open that text and you saw the depth of what what John was putting together, what was that like for you back in, you know, April? Well, you have to look at the time. I mean, we were in the middle of COVID-19. People were sheltering in place and it was like this, it's like this ray of sunshine for the day. It brought, brought us back to the, the normalcy of what our life had been and the love of baseball and particularly the, the Cardinal Nation. And so it was just like this joyful thing that I came to look forward to. And John mentioned this, but I wanted to share it. And so there are people uh, in Dallas. I live in Dallas. Uh, my next door neighbor uh, is from Columbia, Missouri. A very good friend of mine uh, is a partner at a law firm, I mean, Randy Jurgensmeyer, um, who is a Cardinal fan, lifelong Cardinal fan. And I sent them to him, to, to these gentlemen, to, to Randy and to Andy Rawlings. And I think Randy then reached out to Terry Farmer, who, who lives in Missouri, and, and brought him into this to this string. And, and so then Terry became part of it. And so the group began to expand. But, but this was really, if you think about it, it was a celebration of baseball. But I think at that time, it also brought relationships and socialization into, into our daily lives that we were probably missing at that point in time. And Terry, I hear that you had a connection you found with somebody in the group uh, that went way back in, in your life, uh, and, and you didn't even know about it or know that that person was going to be there until you started looking through the emails that were, were there. Tell me that story. Well, I'll go back and piggyback a little bit on what Ron was saying. Uh, Randy Jurgensmeyer, I was a public school teacher in Columbia, Missouri. I still live in Columbia, and Randy was one of my students. And uh, he sent me these texts maybe a week or so after they'd gone out originally. And I immediately realized that this was something that I wanted to, to get involved in. And one of the fellows that was also on this group, maybe added later on, was Andy Rawlings. Well, I had him in class too. So both of these guys are former students of mine from 30, 40 years ago. Though that's how I got involved in it. Hmm. Trey, so, so, can I interrupt just for a second? The funny thing yeah. about it, the funny thing about it was that Andy Rawlings didn't know that Terry was his teacher for the longest time. And like a month and a half goes by, and, and then I think there's an email that says, you know, what, what junior high school did you go to in Columbia, Missouri? And he comes back and says, he goes, and so then he gets, he goes, he realizes this is the Terry Farmer who's his teacher. And he goes, Mr. Farmer, is that you? Yeah. And so you have to realize the connections that were existing that we had not uncovered at that point in time. And it's, it, it's, it's, it's stirred things where the Jurgensmeyer and Rawlings family, their, their parents have gotten together now. You see, you see people connecting in a way that, that didn't exist you know, prior to this email chain. And I think one of the things I would throw in here is, and I, I find this happen a lot. I taught for 30 years. My wife taught for 25 is that, you're so used to being Mr. to these people when they're students that sometimes as, as they grow into adulthood, they never think of you again as just Terry Farmer or, 
Ron Berger. They don't think of you by that name. And I think Andy probably looked at my name a few times, but it just didn't, it didn't make a connection with him and yeah. to well on into the thing. What does that say about baseball that the fact that it's, I mean, you've got people literally coast to coast uh, and, and people of all different walks of life, different ages, and you all are bonded together by what you're reliving. What does that say about the power of baseball to bring people together? You know, and interesting, I might offer just a quick thing on that. A couple of the guys, a couple of the guys that are part of this, guys that I've had lunch with on Thursdays for 20 years. One is a Cub fan and one is a, is a Tiger fan, Detroit Tiger fan. And of course, that's one of the reasons when I put the, when I put the box scores in, I, I include every game that was played in baseball that day. So I went to link so that if they want to pull out the details, they can do it. Well, there's a common love. There's a, there's a rivalry. There's a, there's a sense of, just as I was uh, reunited with my father, every one of the people in this group has their own individual story. That's just as compelling. And, um, and we all have that. It's, it's the wonderful thing about the, the sport that, uh, that we follow. Whether it's you, John, as the guy putting it together, or, or you, Ron, or Terry, as you're reading it, what do you feel like you've learned about that 46 season or been reminded of that, uh, that you'd forgotten or didn't know about that year. It really was a, a great year in Cardinals history. Go ahead, Ron. Well, Terry, you were alive. I wasn't. So you, may, <laughs> you want to go first. Well, I will tell you wh where I think these other guys on this link have found my involvement a little bit more in intriguing is I grew up in a town where the old Brooklyn Dodger pitcher, Preacher Rowe, retired to after he left Major League Baseball at the end of the 1954 season. And so even though I, I was born in 46, so I'm a little younger than John, uh, but everything John was saying about his relationship with his father and dealing with just the game and the whole aspect of following the Cardinals, which was basically the only major league team that you could hear where I lived in Southern Missouri, down in the Ozarks. Uh, but fortunately, as I grew up, Tom Rowe, uh, Preacher's youngest son, uh, and I were the same age. And so there was pressure on Preacher once he retired uh, to probably start a little town team down there with fellows uh, that were Tommy's age. And so a group of us were fortunate enough to be able to play for Preacher from uh, the team that he started in about 1958. He was retired about four years. He started a town team down there, and then we played for him all up through high school. And that was a great experience because you were learning the game from someone who'd played it professionally. And Preacher uh, was a fellow who loved to tell stories. And so it was very interesting for myself and everyone else to get sort of an insight into the game of baseball from that time period, from that era, from someone who'd actually lived it. So, and then what will happen is that when John posts these box scores, there will be names that will come up uh, that I will remember Preacher at one time or another talking about some of these individuals in you know interactions that he'd had with them things that he'd seen and sometimes I'll you know go ahead and send that out as a separate email to share with to share with uh, the other is in the group 
And, and to be honest, you are a baseball encyclopedia, Terry. You know, John, John is this Renaissance man who throws in, you know, cultural and society and opera and, and all these kinds of things into this and gives pop quiz. And you're the encyclopedia and you have everyone else who has their own little piece to play in this. And it's, that's the marvelous part about it is the amalgamation of people and what everyone contributes to this journey that we're all on. Yeah. Brad, I would add back to, back to the original question about 46, what was happening in 46. We mentioned earlier the labor unrest and, and um, that touched baseball as well. You'll remember mm -hmm. in 46 was the first attempt to get the players organized and they darn near were successful in Pittsburgh uh, with that. that. That was one of the things I learned about 46. The other thing was the, uh, oh, uh, the business of the Mexican League. Yes. Uh, the uh, number of, you know, the Cardinals, Cardinals had a, a, a wonderful pitcher uh, by the name of um, Lanier, Max Lanier, who was 6-0. and The start of the season, it was, was uh, had an ERA of 1.96 and was 6-0 and uh, going into the 1st of May. And uh, he and Lou Klein and some other guy, Terry, I can't remember, headed, right. off, headed off to the Mexican League and um, left the Cardinals uh, without their ace pitcher. Um, Cardinals won their 98 games. Uh, they had 13 pitchers that uh, won a game during that year. And there was no end of supply of baseball players. You had all these uh, replacement right. players that were there. Gary Wright during the yes absolutely and and all the guys coming back from the war and so uh, Sam Bearden and those guys the owners uh, didn't worry about uh, didn't worry too much because there was all this pent up demand for baseball and all this supply of, of players and uh, so why pay them much money right. uh, so that was one of the things from '46 that stuck with me. And also Lanier and Klein and all those guys, you know, talk about the grass being greener on the other side. They got down to that Mexican league, got down there, hated it, hated the transportation. The money was nothing. It didn't go anywhere. And I think about three years later in about 1949, they kind of came back dragging their tail between their legs and the Cardinals took them back. I mean, they, they kind of re-signed them and it was just sort of a, it was a waste of time for the people, for the guys that went to the Mexican League. There wasn't many of them, but it was, it was a big mistake. True. So Magley, I remember from one of the other. Right. Magley went. He went down yeah. and there were some others. To be able to have these kind of conversations and, and on this program, we love this kind of stuff. We love getting in the, the weeds with baseball history. But, you know, not everybody that you meet on the street is, is maybe uh, equipped or excited to talk to this level about the history of the game. So to have had this forum with all these countless number of people who are intrigued and interested the same way that you all are. I mean, talking about the Mexican League, I think that's great. Mm -hmm. But the average person on the street would have no idea. Um, mm -hmm. What's it been like for you three to journey through this and just to have a community of people that want to talk about the intricacies mm -hmm. of the history of the game the way that you do? Well, for me, for me, uh, it's especially meaningful during this COVID isolation stuff that we're all 
uh, all hunkered down in. I live in, uh, I live in Johnson County in deep southern Illinois. Uh, grew up in Anna, my, my hometown, and um, retired uh, eight years ago to a farm and, uh, because I wanted to get further away. Well, I don't want to get this far away uh, with, with COVID, but you know, I, I, need, I need interaction. And um, I don't, this is the first Zoom meeting I've ever done. Huh? And I, I kind of like seeing faces. <laughs> the, uh, email, emails kind of help, um, but uh, having, a, having a community is pretty important. And having a community that is in love with the same thing I'm in love with makes it even more special. I think one thing too that's been impressive to me is I'm se I'll be 75, John's a little older, but most of the guys that are involved in this are considerably younger, I think. And the fact that they would have this much interest in this time period and the post-World War II era, and I know they're Cardinal fans, most of them, but that's, that's kind of refreshing to find people that would have that degree of interest in the Cardinals from that time period. So. You know, and for me, one of the things that I did during, during this time as we were reliving the 46th season is I would work out during, um, on a bike at home. I watch Ken Burns baseball. Mm -hmm. And so, as you know, each inning is about two hours. And so you have, you know, over 18 hours of working out as you watch <laughs> baseball, which would, which would ignite certain things. And so little, little facts I would go research and, uh, you know, Stan Musial was a, was a, was a, you know, a, a, an idol of mine growing up. And so I got to see him sort of at the end of his career, but just mm -hmm. little facts, the fact that he had 1,615 hits at home and 1,615 <laughs> hits away. And that his last hit was past a diving red second baseman by the name of Pete Rose, who went on to get, you know, the, the number of hits in the National League. And then you, then you talk about, you know, um, just the, the, the things that came out, the Babe Ruth, that Babe Ruth's dad's bar was, is where center field sits for the <laughs> Orioles Stadium today. You know, and it just, or, or Henry Aaron was the last player with Negro League baseball experience in the major leagues yeah. and the only reason why he became a brave and not a giant was because they were going to pay him $50 or more otherwise yeah. he would have been a teammate with Willie Mays and so there's all these little things that have just percolated out of this conversation and in, in the research that we do just to be able to be part of the commentary and conversation that's ensued. I think it's I think it's caused us uh, or at least in my case, each of us to maybe raise our game a little bit as we're looking back in statistics, because you know when you're when you're hanging out with Terry Farmer and with Ron Barger, you better not come with your B game. You better be able to <laughs> dig in there, dig in there, and find some interesting facts. You know, it's very important. I think for us, we haven't mentioned. You know, we've talked about labor unrest and we talked about other things, but '46 was also a very very important uh, reason. Uh, it's an important thing to remember in 46 that Jackie Robinson signed a uh, contract uh, with um, a double A team and was getting ready to come in 47. And all of that is percolating, that important, that important phrase that made the game in 47 much better than it had been in 46. Yeah. 
One of the things I jump in here with a little bit tied into Robinson, uh, when Preacher got signed in 1939 by the Cardinals, he was there for a short period of time, but Howie Paulette and Lanier, um, Harry Bikin, some of these people were in front of him. And he just kind of wasted away in Rochester for a few years, never got a chance to come up to the bigs. Oh, he'd get late call-ups and maybe get an appearance or so. But there was just so many people blocking him that ultimately I don't think he was ever going to have a chance to pitch regularly uh, with the Cardinals. Well, when Branch Rickey went to Pittsburgh, he remembered that Preacher was in the Cardinal organization. And he thought that if he got Preacher – with a pitching coach who could get him to throw something other than just, he was a one pitch pitcher. He just threw nothing but fastballs. So he got him together with a guy named Rip Sewell at Pittsburgh and Sewell taught him to throw off speed and breaking pitches. And he developed a screwball and he even later on loaded up, you know, he was, a, he would throw a spitter now and then. And when Ricky then went to Brooklyn, he brought Preacher with him after he'd been there for a year. In fact, they brought Preacher and Billy Cox both over from Pittsburgh. And that was sort of a strategic move because Robinson had come up in 47 and there were petitions that had been circulated in the Brooklyn, among the Brooklyn players to not allow him to play on the team. Didn't, didn't want to play with him. And so Ricky answered that question about whether he was going to put up with any of that by packaging Dixie Walker, who was one of the most outspoken people up against Robinson, and shipping him to Pittsburgh, <laughs> which was just a bottom feeder at the time, in exchange for Preacher and Billy and Billy Cox. And uh, so when Preacher and Billy Cox got to Brooklyn, uh, Preacher had developed a number of pitches. He was able to become a pretty much top of the rotation pitcher for them from 48 until he retired at the end of the 54 season. Those so, 21 wins that he got in 51, pretty sweet, weren't they? Yeah, I mean, he, he, went, he led the National League in one loss percentage in 51 and 52. And, um, you know, just it was a very effective pitcher. He didn't pitch poorly at Pittsburgh. He just didn't have any offense behind him. And so um, he didn't have a long career. He stayed healthy most of the time that he was pitching. Uh, and he really just, you know, but he really had a really, really good four or five year stretch there with the Dodgers on sort of those storied teams of the early 50s. It seemed to get to the series a lot, but get beat by the Yankees every year. You know, the, the 1946 season started with for the Cardinals against the Pirates in St. Mm -hmm. Louis. And the Cardinals lost that ball game. Six mm -hmm. or four, I think, was the score. Mm -hmm. And, of course, from that time, that first – that first loss to Pittsburgh to the uh, mad dash <laughs> won it at the late in October. Uh, it, was a, it was a great year. Yes, it was. You, you know, Terry, so, you said something that reminded me of when you said Branch Rickey. And remember, mm -hmm. we talked about how Branch Rickey was such an important, I mean, he innovated the farm, the farm system for the Cardinals and, you know, took quantity um, and started injecting that into the system. And then when he died, and I re, I'll, I'll never I'll never forget this. As we looked, I looked it up, and he was in a hospital in St. Louis. He went to Columbia for I yep. think the Missouri Athletic Club was giving him an award, and he was speaking. And literally, he 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 um, lost consciousness while he was speaking. And you said, I remember where I was. I think I, you were it was at the Tiger Hotel, if not if I'm not yeah. mistaken. And you were at Mizzou, and you yeah. you remembered that day. 
Oh yeah, I absolutely remember it. I was a freshman in college at the time, and uh, had I known that Branch Rickey was going to be in town speaking at this, you know, I was 18 years old. I would have tried to find a way to finagle myself into it, but I didn't find out all about what transpired till the next day in the paper. But yeah, he died here in Columbia. It's amazing to hear you three relive this and just to have this sampling of what's going on every day on these emails and the discussion that it sparks and uh, what a what a neat uh, experiment that you all have conducted and it is fun to to hear about. John, let's let's end on this. So we'll give you the final note. You're you're the guy that's the brain. You know, this is your brainchild. Uh, you've come <laughs> up with it. You're putting the work in to do it every day, and it's got to be a tremendous amount of work to assemble all of this and get it ready. What what have you enjoyed the most, John? What's the thing about this whole journey that has touched you specifically and that you will, will take with you uh, once the 46 season recap comes to an end? Well, I don't have dad anymore, but I've got, I've got Ron and I've got Terry. And I've got <laughs> six other guys and gals. It's not just guys. We've got some, yeah. we've got some gals in the, in the group as well that uh, I've fallen in love with uh, this summer. And so that's what I'll take from, uh, from the process. The people who are part of this group really wanted to underscore how much they appreciate all John Davis has done to put this together. I mean, it's a lot of work, a lot of research on a day-to-day -day basis, but it's a fun read each morning. It's brought a lot of energy and a smile to some people's faces and really has cultivated a really great community of Cardinals fans from coast to coast. Really a neat, neat endeavor that Mr. Davis has, uh, has undergone here. There's a sister piece to this on television. It'll air on Cardinals Insider. You can check it out the weekend of August 29th and 30th. See where to watch at cardinals.com slash insider or watch it on the Cardinals YouTube channel beginning next week. For everybody involved with today's show, my name's Brett McMillan. We'll catch you next time on the Cardinals Insider Podcast. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.